This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 77 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Brought to you by Back on Trek, with the generous support of Equestrian Collections and Kentucky Performance Products. On this week's show, Australian hero Brett Parbury joins us from his home in New South Wales. This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky. And this is Patrick Hiddell from Münster, Germany. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Patrick, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's an honor to be back again. And uh, it's always so nice to hear you across the Atlantic. And I'm really enjoying being on the show again. Well, last time, of course, you very graciously spent some time with us during the World Equestrian Games, along with your then fiance, Lyndall Oakley. And now you can officially say, my wife. You changed your status, like many people change their status on Facebook, Patrick, but you really changed your status this time. Yeah, that was really, <laughs> it was such an amazing time. And uh, like I said to you before, Chris, I've been calling her my wife almost for a year now. So it was uh, like that. It was not a big uh, change, but it's, it's definitely different to be married, and it's a wonderful thing. Well, you certainly had a, 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 a very interesting time, I should say, when you left World Equestrian Games. You told us you were going back to Germany and then almost immediately to Australia for the wedding. But then you started off, and I know from Lyndall's comments on Facebook, you really took it seriously when you gave the vow in sickness and in health. Yeah, there was. We actually came down with the swine implants, as we call it, and it's. Uh, I do not know where I got it, but I think I got it probably like on the airplane to Australia, and I was really sick on the actual wedding day, and there was passing out twice, so uh, we had to do a little bit of the ceremony sitting down, and it was quite a high drama. All the guests were a little bit confused, but uh, it turned out to be an amazing day, and uh, I, I am. Could not have had a better day anyway. And uh, sadly, afterward, we were a bit sick, so we had to cancel our honeymoon, and we will have to do it in January instead. Oh, well, that's an unfortunate start, Patrick. But, you know, I heard from across the oceans what a wonderful day it was in a fabulous location. There were some beautiful photographs of you and Lyndall on Facebook, of course. Thanks to Facebook, now we can all get to see these immediately. Uh, and and share the joy that and of course all the guests that you had on the show one of which of course uh, on at your wedding one of which is a guest on our show this week Patrick we're going to have Brett Parbury join us yeah he's an amazing guy and he's one of our closest friends and uh, he and his wife joined us on Hamilton Island uh, and we had a great time everybody was it was so many international guests there and everybody had a really good time and we were you know partying and having fun. It was beautiful weather. And I do have to say that if anybody around the globe wants to visit Australia, they should definitely go to Hamilton Island. It's one of the most beautiful places on earth. Tell us exactly where it is. It's on the East Coast, isn't it, Patrick? It's on the East Coast. It's the Barrier Reef uh, of Australia. It's um, one of the biggest, actually, like um, islands in the Barrier Reef. And it has its own... Uh, airport where you can land and they have different resorts the one we were at was uh, called qualia it's a six-star resort it's the only six-star resort in australia and it's just amazing it is the best food you have a 
big house. The the architecture is unbelievable. It's the view is uh, yeah to die for. I have to say, and I had a lot of the guests saying they have never been to such a beautiful place in their life. What a marvelous uh, start to your married life there. Even though you were sick, I can't imagine how awful that must have been for you on the biggest day of your life to be sick. Well, I have to say, you know, I had my beautiful wife there and, uh, you know, I I made it through quite good anyway. We were just, you know, after the wedding, we got actually a bit more sick than than on on the days we were there. But I have to say, even that I felt a bit sick, I was still an amazing time and, you know, to be half fainting and waking up and seeing your uh, beautiful wife just, you know, looking at you laughing. That's, I almost thought I was in heaven. <laughs> well, I know during the World of Question Games when we recorded the shows there, Patrick, you were one man with a big smile from ear to ear. You were already a very, very happy man. That's true, and I still am. And, I, you know, I also think it's a life philosophy, you know, you... you you know, we only live once, and I have the goal to, you know, to be happy and, uh, you know, live the life that I always dreamed of, and I'm doing that at the moment. Well, as you mentioned, you're in Munster, Germany. Everybody knows, of course, you ride for Sweden, but you're based in Germany. Now, got back home from the wedding, cancelled your uh, honeymoon, as you mentioned, and you got straight back to work, and I believe you've been to a show since then. Tell us about that, Patrick. Yeah, I actually did my first. Uh, show this weekend in München, which is a big national show. It's uh, with also with a lot of uh, international riders, and that was really good. I took my second horse to Florette Ass. He had a little bit of a show break because I was obviously away, and uh, the Grand Prix he was very fit and he was doing a little bit too much of his own. So I was not super happy with the Grand Prix, but then in the freestyle uh, he was back on track again, and I was third and had a good score over 73 and. Uh, it was really, it was a good show, and Isabel won. Isabel, at the moment, competing everywhere. She told me she had five different Grand Prix horses, which she has now been doing, I think, four or five different shows in the last three or four weeks. Well, that's quite uh, quite a, a, a competition then. You know, you, wherever you go in Germany, you're going to be up against the best, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, in Germany also, when you ride national uh, like München was a big national show. You always ride against the best. I mean, we had Ola Salski there, Nadine Kapelman was there, Isabel was on the start. So, I mean, you, you basically always ride against the best, and that's good because that also makes you better. I always say it's better to go to the good shows, ride against the best, and then you also will get better yourself instead of, you know, going to a little bit of a, like shows that are not so good, and then you maybe may win, but you haven't met the real competition. Yeah, and to be continuously exposed to that, it's going to continually raise your game, isn't it? Exactly. And you get better and better, you know, and you get uh, better scores. And you, I mean, I compete against myself, and it's good, you know, when you go against the best, then you know also where you are. And uh, I was very happy there, I have to say. The, the freestyle was really good, and uh, Florette is going to go in Stockholm in a couple of weeks, and Scandic is going next week in Oldenburg. So we have a busy schedule in the next time. And how far in relation to, like, Munich are you then at Münster, Germany, in Germany, Patrick? Uh, it, uh, it's it's quite lo- far because, uh, th- I mean, I have, I'm really lucky so that uh, Florette Ass and Silvano, my two horses from my sponsor, uh, she has her own groom. He's a great guy called Stefan, and he drove the horse, uh, horses down to München, and I took a flight from Münster to München. So for me, it was actually not such a big travel. It took maybe two hours from one place to another. 
But for Stefan to drive, it was, I think, about eight, eight and a half hours. Well, that's quite a drive. And then Stockholm, you mentioned you're going there. Where, how far would that be from where you are? No, that's quite far. Uh, it's, I think, about maybe two days driving. You drive first to like, South Sweden, and then you drive up. And I know one time I mentioned it for Tina Willems on my Swedish team colleague, and she said, well, we're doing this every time because she lives actually in Stockholm. So every time she wants to go down and compete in Europe, she has to do two-day travel. Well, that's even more than in in the States, really. I mean, we can't. Yeah. We, we see at least we would fly, and I think the difference in Germany, mostly in Europe, you would drive the horses. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like in Europe, we, I would say, to ninety-nine percent, we drive them. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're going to be busy. We're going to talk about the rest of your plans over the winter and catch up with what Lindell is doing too when we uh, get to that a little bit later on in the show, Patrick. But before we get to the news this week, we're going to take a short break to hear from our friends over at Back on Track. There's a company that we just love that offers products to improve lifestyle and mobility, and they have been the mainstay in European therapeutic therapies for many years. Plus, they are used and endorsed by many of the top dressage, eventing, and show jumping riders worldwide. We are talking about back on track, of course. If you're looking for a quality holiday gift for any horse lover that will truly benefit their horse, then look no further than any of Back on Track's products, including exercise boots, bell boots, saddle pads, sheets, and so much more. You can find all of their products at BackOnTrackProducts.com. That's BackOnTrackProducts.com. Or give them a call at 888-758-9836. That's 888-758-9836. Well, again, a thanks to our supporters there at Back on Track. Don't forget to check them out on their website. Well, the news this week, Patrick, mostly comes from the FEI General Assembly that took place last week in Taipei. Um, our first item of news comes from uh, the presidential election. Her Royal Highness Princess Hira El Hussein of Jordan has been re-elected as FEI president for a second and final four-year term during last week's General Assembly. For former vice Former First Vice President Sweden's Sven Holmberg and Dutchman Henk Rottenhus also campaigned for presidential election, the first time an incumbent president had been challenged. Britain's John McEwen has been named as the new First Vice President. John was also re-elected as chair of the Veterinary Committee. And Pablo Mayorga of Argentina was elected as Second Vice President, replacing the outgoing Second Vice President Chris Hodson of New Zealand. Uh, so uh, that that was something was very interesting Patrick, that that the president would be challenged, and so publicly too. Yeah, I think that's one of the first time. Normally, they always, you know, kind of choose one, and it just said it's time out. And uh, I was pretty sure, I have to say, uh, that that Haya would be reelected. I mean, uh, I you can always discuss that, but I mean, I think she's done. She's good for the sport in many ways as well. Uh, obviously, uh, there are critics, but I think in everything you do, you always have, you know good side and a bad side. Um, I hope she will be good for the sport, also for the next four years, and uh, I wish her all the luck. 
Very interesting. Well, of course, there's always news from the FEI. We continue to bring you that here on the Dressage Radio Show. And one of the celebrations that took place at the General Assembly was for the 2010 FEI Awards. And the Reem Acra Best, Best Athlete Award, not surprisingly, went to Edward Gall and Morlins Totilas, taking home an unprecedented three gold medals, of course, at this year's Altec FEI World Equestrian Games. Edward broke all records in scores from the judges' panel, getting tens for his riding. But Edward was quick to give credit, of course, to his partner there, Totilus, who was sold after the Games to Germany's breeder, Paul Schockermuller. And the HSB Rising Star Award went to American dressage rider Caroline Rothman, the 21-year-old who trains with Olympian Lars Peterson, won the five-year-old championships at the U.S. Equestrian Federation's National Dressage Championships last year on a horse she trained herself and was the youngest competitor at the Collecting Gates Farm USCF Festival of Champions at Gladstone. Caroline will be a guest here on next week's show. And the Against All Odds Award went to, went to German, Germany's paradressage rider Angelica Trabert. Angelica was born without legs and only three fingers on her right hand. She's represented Germany at four Paralympic Games, winning the silver medal in Hong Kong. She has also won some 15 medals at World, European and National Equestrian Championships and this year competed at the Para-Equestrian Grade 2 Championship at the Altec FEI World Equestrian Games. Despite losing her long-time partner in a tragic accident in 2005, Angelica continues to make the best of her life and helps improve the lives of others by promoting the cause of sport for people with disabilities and teaching disabled riders children to ride. She's been elected Athletes' Representative for the International Paralympic Equestrian Committee four times and regularly speaks at conferences. Angelica works as an anaesthetic at the University Hospital in Mainz, Germany. What an amazing story, Patrick. What an yeah, inspiration. Unbelievable, huh? Just, you know, when you, when you, Lindel is also very passionate about the Paralympics, also have a lot of contacts with them in Australia. And when you read about uh, Angelica, it's just unbelievable. Has so much life energy and so much willing, you know, and the willing to do the dressage and the love for the horses and to make it go that far and just win 50. Medals. That's unbelievable. <laughs> it, it really, truly is an ama- amazing record. But what is so inspiring is, despite the disadvantages, that they have such determination and spirit to just keep going every day. And I guess, you know, the horse, when you have such a physical disability, Patrick, I mean, the horse gives you something that you otherwise wouldn't get. You know, you develop a partnership. You have, if you will, a vehicle. You have somewhere to be what you can be uh with what you wouldn't be without a horse it's it is an amazing an amazing relationship yeah it's unbelievable and also of course um you have to think you know the horse is a big strong animal and i mean me who has you know my legs and my arms i have difficulty sometimes to sit on a horse but then uh, like a woman like this you know with no legs have to have the trust for the horse to do this to ride it, to be able to focus so much, I think that's just one of a kind. It certainly is. Well, an incredible inspiration, and congratulations to all of those award winners that, uh, of course, so so bravely represented the sport and and were rewarded for it. So terrific for all of them, and uh, we're looking forward to having Caroline here on the show next week. Well, we're going to take a short break, Patrick, to hear from our friends over at Equestrian Collections, and then we're going to catch up with um, one young man who's become an Australian hero, so don't go away. We'll be back in just a second. 
We've been speaking a whole lot in recent weeks about looking to Equestrian Collections for all of your fall and winter needs. They have all the top brands in winter wear for you and your horse. Well, in addition to winter, believe it or not, it is now November and time to start thinking about holiday gift giving. There's no better place to find those equestrian gift ideas than at Equestrian Collections. They have thousands of choices for all of your gift-giving needs at some fantastic prices. Whether it is for that guy, girl, or equine in your life, you will find it all at EquestrianCollections.com. Get that holiday shopping started early at EquestrianCollections.com. Well, we're back with my guest co-host this week, Patrick Kittle, from Sweden's Patrick Kittle, but based in Germany. How long have you been there, Patrick? Oh, too long, too long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think I'm like, at the moment, I feel 50 German, 50 Swedish, I have to say, with now also quite a big influence from Australia. So it's a multicultural. It, it is. You're truly international. So you must be fluent in Swedish, fluent in German, and fluent in Australian English? Oh, well, good day, mate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, my mother is also Hungarian, and I actually do speak fluent Hungarian as well, which is quite interesting. So a couple of languages is on there, which is always good to have. And like you know, Chris, I'm not a, exactly a person who has difficulties to talk, so uh, I catch up here and there. You certainly do. Well, it's uh, it's great to have you here practicing your Australian accent here, and I'm sure there's one person in the world that you can identify with who uh, I know you got to know. He was a guest, as you said earlier, at your wedding, and that's uh, Brett Parbury, who went so well at the World Equestrian Games, the highest-placed Australian there. And it, what a fantastic performance that was. We, we were delighted, and I was able to catch up with Brett just uh, the other day. He was back home in New South Wales, having competed in the Australian Championships last weekend. So uh, let's hear from Brett. Well, Brett, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on the Dressage Radio Show. It's your first time. Yeah, thank you, Chris. I, I'm really happy to be on the show. Well, uh, we should explain to our listeners, because we have a lot of listeners down under, and they, of course, know where you are. But for the rest of the world, let's just explain exactly where you're based. You're in New South Wales, not too far from Sydney. Yeah, we're about one and a half hours south of Sydney, and um, it's southwest direction Canberra or Melbourne. Um, So, yeah, it's a really good location. It's an area called the Southern Highlands, which is fast becoming a a dressage centre for Australia. Very nice place to be, and of course, uh, as we speak in November, you're you're getting into some warmer weather. You're getting into your summer as we get into our winter. Yeah, that, theoretically it is, but it, uh, it's so cold here at the moment, cold and wet, that um, we're all still in our winter clothes, and horses are shedding coats and quite confused about it. But it's um, yeah, it's a bit unusual for this cold weather at this time of year. Well, we should put the put the record straight in, you know, with a few priorities here, Brett. First of all, to congratulate you on a fantastic night plates at the World Equestrian Games with Victory Salute. That was a fantastic result. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. We're we're really happy for it, and um, and from the weekend we had our national championships on the weekend, and I went to that, and um, I had a lot of positive response from the dressage community in Australia. So I think not only we're happy for it, I think there's a lot of happy people within Australia that that we can sort of go on the world stage and show that we can compete. 
Well, it's a bit of a juggling act for you, isn't it? Didn't you spend some time um, up in Europe? You have your European connections, I believe. Now you, you've got uh, you've got a new horse, that Lord of Loxley, based with uh, Edward Gall. Yeah. How did you make that switch to be based with Ed now, or, or at least to have horses there and have him train you? Because I know Ola Salzgaber, of course, was the trainer for a while, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. I've been lucky where I've had the. This is the beauty of being. Australian or American or, or whatever, with no real uh, allegiance in in Europe, you can you can actually not not that I'm saying you can change around, but you can actually learn from different people and not offend anyone by changing. Um, and I I'm I'm on a journey to try and learn as much as I can. And Ulla was the coach of Australia uh, back in the mid 2000s, and and um, um, that was fantastic, and she was a very. She contributed a lot to um, what you're seeing today uh, from the riding community here. Then I, uh, in the 2008 lead up to Hong Kong, I went and trained with Huberta Schmidt, who was also fantastic. I think he's one of the greatest dressage rider horsemen in the world. Uh, and this time, I wanted to sort of go into Holland and try and train with someone who is a leading rider of the Dutch system and um, I'd met Edward and Nicole uh, quite a while ago I, I had, I've lived in Europe uh, for three years in the end of the 90s into the 2000s and um, and I'd met Edward and Nicole so I contacted them uh, when I won the World Cup final down here and said look I'll be coming over is there a chance I can base with you and Nicole was very positive and she was very, uh, very helpful and um, so we based there when we flew in for the World Cup final and we stayed there all year. Um, they're just the most wonderful people to be based with. They cannot do enough for me. Um, we had a, My wife and I had a baby during the year, um, so I had to come home for that. And in the, during that time, Edward rode victory salute for me. And then with the acquisition of Lord of Loxley, um, we've decided to leave him under Edward's riding and I'll travel back and forth next year. So... Uh, Edward and Nicole again have been very helpful with that with that um, that project. Well, tell us about Victory Salute and how you formed that partnership with him. I believe he's uh, owned by Carolyn Lieutenant still. Uh, now, how did you meet Carolyn and how did that uh, ride come about, Brett? Yeah, that that came about. I was actually working at All the Souls Givers when the phone call from Carolyn came in, and. Um, Ulla had said that she really liked a, a, a big bay horse that Matthew Dowsley was riding and thought that, and Matthew at the time had a very nice mare called Cinderella, which she went to um, the World of Christian Games in Arkin. And Ulla thought that maybe Victory Salute would suit me. And um, anyway, when Matthew had won, he just won the World Cup Pacific League final here and had been invited to the World Cup final. So they decided to do exactly what we just did, which was to go to Europe and base from March right through till the Games, um, leaving Carolyn without a rider. So what happened then was Carolyn called me and said, look, Matthew's leaving. Um, would you be interested in riding my horse? And I said, yes. At that time, I had another Grand Prix horse called Whisper 4, and Vicky Salute was, would have to have been my second horse. And just by the way things go, uh, Vicky Salute, became my first horse and and we've gone from there so how long have you been riding him now uh i started on him in the start of 2006 right right so n now he's back home in australia with his with you is he brett 
No, he's not. The, the horses coming out of Kentucky are still in um, transit. They're in. They've arrived in Auckland about a week ago. And I only just had a, a message as I've been talking to you from my groom, just saying that the horses are are fit and well, and the and they're enjoying their quarantine in New Zealand. Um, the quarantine there is a is a nice quarantine. It's a a nice property with paddocks and um, good stables. So we've opted for that option rather than to come into Sydney to the quarantine station in Eastern Creek, which is not so horse-friendly. So that's quite a, a, a journey, obviously flying back from Kentucky, which is a few weeks ago now. How, how long do they have to be in quarantine, Brett? Oh, look, it's a, it's a real marathon effort, this one. It, they, were in, they were in Kentucky for a month after the event, so um, they've been out at Coolmore, uh, at a beautiful facility, Coolmore in Lexington, and then they flew. They fly now to New Zealand for another month, and then they fly here. And and flying into New Zealand is virtually the same as flying to Australia. So the horses can actually fly New Zealand, Australia, go straight on the truck and come straight to us, rather than doing another quarantine. Wow. So, but it is a mammoth effort, and this is the this is the thing that holds us back from from travelling and competing on the world stage, is the amount of quarantine that we have to do. Um, the, ra- the racing industry, we've just had the Melbourne Cup here, which is a, a big event worldwide, and the racehorses seem to have a better system where they can come in, uh, do 14 days, and compete. Um, they're still held within a quarantine facility, but they can they can at least compete within a 14-day period, um, which is just, we can't do that, unfortunately. I don't know why, but we can't. So you have at least a month then that they have to be in quarantine before you can get them home? Yeah, it's even more. It's usually six weeks from Europe and two oh. months from America. So, oh. the, yeah, six weeks from Europe um, is a couple of weeks in quarantine in Europe and then a couple of weeks in quarantine in Australia. So, it, so yeah, it, it's not ideal. In effect, he'll have a holiday then right now, and so you'll get him back sort of after two two months of holiday, or has the groom been riding him to keep him ticking over? No, no one's been riding him. The um, yeah, it's 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 um, just been a two month break. Oh. Luckily for us, he is the sort of horse that um, doesn't mind that, and he's quite flexible. So to bring him back into work uh, after that won't worry too much. Um, He's had a big year. So two months off, it's a little bit extreme. I probably would have given him six weeks off anyway mm-hmm. um, because he is 14. He's had a big year, and um, and we're now looking to keep him uh, nice and sound and healthy and fit all the way through next year to then have him available for selection for the London Olympics. Right. So that's the, the plan for him is to just have an easy 2011 keep him fit, and then ready to go again on in 2012. And fly him directly back to Europe. Yeah, I'd say the selection, selectors here in the Equestrian Australia have said that the selection will be a, a European campaign. It uh, wasn't this year, but the year before, well, the campaign before for Hong Kong was a European selection, which means that anyone really looking to make a be a part of the team has to travel to Europe and... Um, and go through selection events in Europe. So we'll all have to relocate back over there for 2012. 
Well, that's a mammoth exercise. And you, you mentioned you have a business there in Penrose, Brett. How do you balance that? How many horses do you have in work? And how do you balance that with your your competition life as well? I mean, you've got, yeah. you've got a lot going on there. Yeah, that's right. We It's a difficult thing. This is the hardest part for us is, is family, business. Um, all has to be put on hold while we go and um, live our dream. Um I'm not too sure how we'll handle the next campaign. Up until now, the the, the um, Hong Kong campaign was easy enough. I didn't we didn't have a baby, and and my wife kept the business going. This one was easy enough because my clients really stood by me, um, and my wife stood by me as well. Where you know she she we had the baby, and she managed um, to to take care of the baby. We had a lady come in and ride my horses each day. Um, for free uh, to keep them ticking over. So, but the next one will be a little more difficult, I think. And I don't know whether we do a, a complete relocation to Europe, where we take client horses with us um, and base with Edward and Nicole in one of the sta- one of the stable blocks there, or whether we. Um, there's only three ways we can go: whether we don't be a part of it at all which I don't think is going to happen, um, whether we completely rebase into Europe or whether we try to juggle it the way we've done it this time. Well, you've got two horses there, obviously, with team, a real team prospect and a budding team prospect there. So yeah. you're obviously still ambitious, um, Brett, in, in, in your career. Do you see this being how you're going to have to flow with it over the next few years in order to stay on the team? Yeah, yeah, I think I will. But it's it's the only way. So really, a complete relocation or to juggle the way we're juggling is the only way um, to do it. Uh, we're not ruling out a complete, complete relocation to Europe. Um, it's been something that's been on my mind for quite a while. But a lot of things have to fall into place for us to do that. Tell us about the operation you have in Penrose with your business there. Yeah, well, we've got... Um, but just like any uh, professional stable, we usually have around between 12 and 15 horses in work. I have a very good young rider. I think possibly the best talented young rider I think I've seen in Australia ever working for me. Um, he is just fantastic. Uh, we have um, a Dutch girl working for us as well who's going, who's riding for us, and then we have uh, a New Zealand girl who is our groom. And... Um, yeah, the usual thing of how to make money in this game is to, especially when you're, um, well, the only way to sort of make an income in this game is by coaching. So for me, my morning is spent riding four or five horses, sometimes six, and then usually I hop in the car or, or run and jump on a plane and then head off for the weekend or the afternoon Um coaching somewhere around the district or um, or I usually go into state on the weekend. So, for example, um, tonight I fly to the Gold Coast and do a clinic on the Gold Coast Saturday, Sunday, back Sunday night and ready to start work again on Monday morning. And uh, that's really how we make our money is by coaching. And the riding doesn't make a lot, but it keeps the bills paid and it keeps what I call the shop window um, open, which... You know, we we you need horses to exhibit your your um your talents and your and your system of riding. So we need to have a certain amount of horses in training. Um, and um, sorry, the phone just called it. And 
then that can lead on to more coaching. So yesterday, for example, I coached the New South Wales uh, Institute of Sport eventing clinic, which is a lot of the Australian representatives, Stuart Tinney, uh, Chris Burton, they were in Lexington. And I was up there coaching them on their dressage phase leading up to this the big four-star, uh, mm-hmm. Adelaide four-star, right, yeah. which is on the week after next, I yep. think. Yeah, so that's um, that's what my week looks like. Usually a lot of coaching, try to squeeze in my writing and in between the business with the business life and family life. <laughs> <laughs> just to, uh, the horses that you have, just explain to us, uh, Brett, do you, are these horses that you, you buy as youngsters? Where do you typically get the younger horses that you're bringing along? Um, they come from all different places. We have one we've imported from Holland that I own in a half share with, with um, a very good friend of mine. Uh, another one we have is owned by Susie Duddy, who owned the Madonna Carrera, who was part of the 2008 Olympic selection, mm-hmm. um, and she bred him. Um, we have a, a very good breeder from Orange, which is west of Sydney, but breeding a lot of horses. We ride for them, so we have a few of their young horses in training. So they come from all different places. I'd like to probably... I'd like to have I like to have a good mix of Australian bred and imported horses only because we are trying to promote the breed here in Australia. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, and I and I just like to ride for good people. I mean I've been in the business long enough now to to have been through the mill when it comes to clients and, and people and expectations of people and um we've made it very important to us that we just like to ride for good people who understand the business. And um, and try to get those people into good horses, and try to make sure they own own good horses, and and give them advice on how they can can get good horses or breed good horses, and try and do it that way. Well, we should remind our listeners, of course, that you have ridden just about anything that you could sit on in your former career, being a, a, a rodeo rider and uh, having ridden in the Calgary Stampede. I, I should think there's not much you can't sit on, Brett. <laughs> you know, I grew up. I grew up like most country boys do in Australia that are involved in horses. I grew up mustering cattle, and and my father's got a, two big cattle properties up in the the north, the northern tablelands of a, of New South Wales. So I grew up um, riding the hills of that district on and mustering cattle and being around cattle yards. And um, my father's a, a cutting horse trainer. And at the time I grew up, he was heavily involved in camp drafting, which is a unique Australian sport uh, where they um, chase cattle. (laughs) is probably the best description of it around a course. Um, I was never interested in that, and um, I really liked the rodeo side of it. So usually uh, at a camp draft in anywhere in Australia, they would have a rodeo. So I'd spend more of my day watching the Cowboys prepared for the and particularly I liked the saddlebront riding. I didn't like bulls or anything like that. It was a bit too dangerous, but I liked the saddlebront riding. So um, it, it was a fairly normal progression um, for kids in my district to either go into show jumping or rodeo. And um, out of our district, actually, there was two Australian champion um, cowboys and and one guy. What both actually two guys went on to. Um, compete very successfully professionally in the, on the PRCA, which is a uh, mm-hmm. big yeah. professional radio association in the States. And um, so it was a fairly normal exercise to move from 
um, let's say, growing up as a kid on a cattle property uh, through to rodeo, in between there, I mean, during as a, as a kid growing up, my, my sister was involved in um, showing the old hacking um, scene, which is a pretty big scene here in Australia. So I'd had a fairly good um, preparation as a young uh, kid on the hack scene as far as sitting straight and getting a nice position and getting a good feel for horses. And my father has always sort of been talking, he always talks horsemanship and training on dressage principles and, and having a good feel and having good balance and having good timing. It's really something that he's just drummed into me through my childhood. So even though I went into rodeo, I had a fairly good foundation of horse training and in a good position and a, and a good idea of feel. I just didn't know at that stage what dressage was about. I didn't really know the shoulder in or the half passes or anything like that. So when I decided to finish rodeo, I um, I was looking for another sport to get involved in and I was living on the outskirts of Sydney and, and it's very hard to get access to cattle there. Uh, so I had to look at a sport that I could train horses and um, and that didn't require cattle so the two options were reining or dressage and um there was always show jumping but because i had to live off or i wanted to live off the sport um the show jumping guys had it fairly well sewn up george center rod brown you know they were chris chug they had a lot of the business sewn up so i i saw an opportunity in dressage um especially that a lot of the dressage horses had problems and i could ride through a uh, few problems so I saw that opportunity and went for it and after 12 months of riding dressage here I, I decided I wanted to go to Europe and learn more so that's when I went off, off to Europe and, and lived in Europe for a couple of years and tried to learn the most I could and then I came home and it all started from there that was in 2003 Well you've also got a reputation for being pretty good at rugby too is that where you learnt the shoulder in and half pass? <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I, I sort of don't do anything half-hearted. And when I was at university, because I did an economics degree majoring in property, um, as all boys do at uni, you, you play rugby and you, you, you drink and you sing songs. And, um, <laughs> and I did the same, and I really liked it. I mean, I got involved. I mean, I love, I love sport. And, um, and, um, yeah, so I tossed up a career in rugby there at one stage and and um, decided not to go with it. I made the I made the Australian um, University's rugby team and decided not to tour because I wanted to go into rodeo again. And um, so yeah, it's funny when I look back now, I can't sort of can't work out how I ended up in dressage, but it just just ended up that way. Now, <laughs> and I now, love it. I wish I'd done it earlier. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about your family? You said you've got a baby. Tell us about your baby. Yeah, we have a baby boy, Jake. He's six months old. Um, and um, I, you might be happy to know I did my first unassisted nappy change this morning. <laughs> uh, so Congratulations. I'm, I'm learning. <laughs> um, but, no, he's going really well, very healthy. He's just starting to sort of try to get up onto his knees and start to move around. So, yeah, it's very exciting. Oh, great. So we're learning a few rugby moves already? <laughs> well, I hope, um, yeah, it's hard to know where they'll he'll go, but I'd say um, in this area he's either got a chance of being a horse rider or a motorbike rider because that's what pretty much what the kids do here. Yeah. Um, let's hope he chooses horses because then we can 
we can provide them fairly easily. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and but, and you'd, um, you'd have a you have a resident groom as well. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's what we're always looking for. We're always looking for staff, so we might have to <laughs> breed them. <laughs> Well, terrific. So, what's in store for you now, leading up uh, into the win, into one well, into your summer, Brett? Are you going to be busy competing down there as well as coaching? We we have we've just had our national championships, which were on last week. So, um, I had two horses in that and did did very well. I was very happy with the results. So, um, now I think we have Equitana in two weeks, which I'm thinking I might take one of the young horses to that and do the master class with Stefan. Uh, Stephen Peters. Um, then I think I'll give my horses some time off, and well, not really time off. I think I might just stay home and train them um, for the next level. So both horses are ready to move to the next level um, of those two. And then there's some younger horses that I'd like to try and get out and about through the summer. Um, I try and limit my riding to five a day if I can. So, so I've got two really nice horses I took to the show last week and I've got three young horses that I'm just looking to get out and about through the summer so I'm not really looking to compete that hard but then coming into next year I think Victory Salute will only do probably three maybe four shows next year um, two of them will have to be a World Cup qualifier uh, the third one will have to be the World Cup final um, and then the other one I'm not too sure which one we'll, we'll choose but he won't do much so I'll be spending next year traveling back to Europe I want to try and make four possibly five trips to Europe to ride Lord of Loxley and hopefully ride him at some shows um, I don't know whether I'll go to the big shows or whether I go a little bit off the beaten track into France maybe over to Eastern Europe maybe to some smaller uh, CDNs in Holland um, I'd just like to get out and about and get to know him a little bit better and see what he's going to be like at, at the shows and and just keep getting to know him, um, ready for that 2012 build-up. Terrific. Well, it sounds like you've got a full schedule ahead of you, Brett. I want to thank you for taking time to come on the show this week. I hope you'll come back and see us again. Yeah, I'd love to. No, I'd love to. Well, great. I'm, I'm, I'm going to definitely follow the show and... and um, and keep an eye on how it's all going. I think it's a wonderful concept, so congratulations on the idea. Thank you, Brett. Appreciate it. And appreciate you spending time with us, and, and we'll be catching up with you again maybe in the new year, see how things are going. Yep. Thank you, Chris. All right. Thank you, Brett. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, great to catch up with him. I think Brett's going to be a regular here on the show, Patrick, and a wonderful guy. I mean, what an inspiration he's been to Australian dressage. Yeah, I mean, he's a... First of all, he's just, you know, very laid back and he's a great rider. People who watched him also from uh, shows in Europe or now at the World Equestrian Games, I mean, the way he sits, he sits unbelievably nice in the saddle. He was actually a rodeo, rodeo rider before. Yes. And you, you're quite surprised that, you know, you go from rodeo when you really, like, have to sit on and not exactly, you know, have to sit good or pretty to, to be such an excellent dressage rider. And I think he's one of those Riders who really have a nice balance in his body. He's quite a tall guy, but still sits beautiful on the horse. And, uh, yeah, I always enjoy seeing him ride. Well, as I said, he's an inspiration and a hero now down under. And, you know, we need people 
to come this i mean to this extent patrick what he's done for australian dressage is going to really raise the game out there you know we have a lot of listeners in australia and uh, hello to all of you and hello of course from my half australian co-host as well patrick <laughs> um, and and we know from talking to people in australia we've had guests there from australia uh, who are involved with the sport over the past months and how important it is to have someone do so well for the sport that really raises the bar and raises the level of interest and participation in the, in that country i think that's important you know no matter what country you're in because you know, we want to globalize dressage and more and more countries, you know, comes up and at the World of Question, we had so many different nations competing. And, you know, it is today, it's also nice to see that uh, somebody from Australia or Mexico or, or, or can come up and do good rides and have good horses and then also get the points they deserve and also be highly ranked on the championship. Yeah, I think that's the thing. And, you know, as we know, and you know so well, Brett, Brett uh, and as he explained, divides his time and will continue to divide his time between Australia and Europe and to be exposed to the competition as you are in Europe and and get in front of the judges there. I think that's ultimately the combination of those things which helps obviously not only his performance but he's able then to take that back home and share that with you know in clinics as he said he's around going to clinics uh, all over the winter all over his summer now uh, when he's down under and and it's a, just that transfer of information and education that's going to raise the level isn't it absolutely and also you know he's he's a smart guy he set himself up here with edward and nicole uh, in, in Holland training, you know, with, with very good trainers and seeing good horses and seeing good riding. You know, you learn so much from that and that you can take home. And I think also it's very important for people from other countries to spend some time in Europe, maybe in Germany, maybe in Holland, but, you know, to actually go to the more difficult shows, to be judged from the more difficult judges, so to say, who are you know, a bit more critical and, and really, you know, learn where you stand and how to get better. I think if you want to develop as a rider, I know for myself anyway, and I'm sure Brett will also agree with that, is that if you've done that, you learn so much and you, you just raise your bar much higher. Absolutely. Well, uh, congratulations again to Brett for a fantastic World Equestrian Games uh, success there. And uh, we look forward to having him back on the show again and again. So uh, thanks again for Brett for joining us. Well, Pat uh, Patrick, we can just take a short break to hear from our friends over at Kentucky Performance Products. And then when we come back, we're going to hear about what you have planned for your winter campaign. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a second. Hi, everyone. Glenn the Geek here. Kentucky Performance Products has become a favorite of many listeners of the Horse Radio Network. They have a product that we want you to consider called Contribute. Take a listen to episode 14 of the Tack and Habit Radio Show, and you will hear a complete discussion on this product with Delia from Kentucky Performance Products. Contribute is the omega-3 fatty acid supplement that is so important to your horse's well-being. Contribute helps maintain soundness and longevity by protecting joints from damaging inflammation and sustains a strong immune response in horses of all ages. Learn all about omega-3 and 6 fatty acids and why they are so important by listening in at TackAndHabit.com, episode 14, or go to KPPUSA.com for more information. That's KPPUSA.com. 
Well, I'm back with my co-host, Patrick Kittel, who, who's based in Munster, Germany, and uh, uh, very well ensconced in the German system and enjoying all that it offers in terms of competition. So tell us about what your plan is for the winter campaign, Patrick, and, of course, for, for Lindel, your wife, Lindel, we should say. Uh, well, um, I have quite busy. I'm going to do the World Cup in winter. I have the advantage that has, I have two or three Grand Prix horses, which, of course, makes it a little bit easier. You can do more shows, be out more. So what I'm going to do is that I'm going to do next week, and we have Oldenburg, which I'm going to do with Scandic, um, and then I have Stockholm, which Florette Ass is going to go. This is all going to be in November. Then in December, we have Frankfurt and Mechelen, who are two World Cup shows. And then, of course, the, the main goal is to qualify for Leipzig for the World Cup uh, dressage final, as I was this last year on the in the final and did a really good round there. I am, of course, hoping to, to raise the bar a little bit more this year. And tell us uh, what Lindel has. And, and how many horses do you have between you, Patrick? Uh, we have like 14, between 14 and 16 horses in the stable. I have a lot of uh, horses for sale, of course, taking on uh, people's horses. Uh, I'm training them. Mostly they are doing St. George to Grand Prix. And then I put a couple of things into the horses, do a couple of starts, and then obviously, I find the right uh, client for them. Uh, my wife has three horses, which two horses is actually Grand Prix horses, Potiphar, who she had in Kentucky, and um, a 10-year-old horse from uh, Holland called Toy Story, who's a very nice horse. He did the Median Cup final with me, which is her future prospect. And she's going to have it a little bit more quiet as she's not doing the World Cup. Uh, and I think we'll start in Münster in the beginning of January again, working up. Of course, Australians do not have Europeans as we have next year. So she is working uh, now in, the, in her mind to London 2012. Yeah, the long-term plan. And you, you have to have that long-term plan, don't you? Absolutely. And uh, I think, you know, you mostly, like for me as European, I always work the plan up to the following championship. And next year we have in Rotterdam the Europeans. The long goal plan is, of course, London 2012 and my wife then has to work in two years periods. She has well the question games and of course the Olympics who are her main goals. Well what does Patrick and Lyndall Kittle do uh, when you're not riding horses? What do you do for fun? Do you go to the movies? Well we do a lot of things. Um, I mean I have to say I've been extremely busy uh, after WEG and of course when you've been away for a bit and come home you have to catch up with everything so I work a lot at the moment. When we do have spare times, we just relax. We, you know, like now at lunch, we put the fire on. We have a cup of tea together, just enjoying each other's company. And, um, you know, just naturally, it's just nice when you when you have somebody that you love and trust. It's just nice. You don't have to do so much. You can just spend time with, with her uh, without, you know, feeling stressed, without feeling that you have to work. Just relax and be yourself around her. It's lovely. Now, you know, when Heather Blitz was on the show last week, she shared with us, because she's really into technology, and she shared some iPhone apps with us. Now, do you get into technology? Are you one for technical games, computer games, or any or books? What, 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 do, what, do, what, what, what can we get you to review, Patrick? Oh, um, it's quite funny. I always want the most technical things that you have, you know, like the <laughs> iPad and the iPhone, and I have a big eye like the computer from them, but I am really bad on technology. So 
I'm always telling everybody who delivers stuff to me that I only want to plug it in, and then it has to work. (laughs) 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 And I have to say, my my Apple computer is really good. It's uh, just to plug in and put play, so to say, and then it works. So that's great. So do you have any iPhone or iPad apps that you would recommend? Uh, I mean, I do like, I have a couple of them. I think one of the best thing is the games on my iPad. I have this uh, solitaire game, which both me and my wife are playing like hysterically when we have time. And uh, I also have something called more hoons. It's when you are actually shooting flying chickens. <laughs> and then you get points for every chicken you kill. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I, you know, I haven't tried it yet, but Heather recommended a, um, a bird g- a game on. Maybe it's the same one. Then it was. I, I think it's the same one. It's like they are flying, and you shoot them, and then you have to reload and shoot them again, and then they're flying against you, and it's, <laughs> it's really funny. It's called the Crazy Moorhoon or something like that. It's very funny. Oh uh, well, <clears throat> now we now we know that you could recommend some apps. Then, in the, next time you come on the show, we'll have you reviewing a couple of uh, iPhone and iPad apps for us because uh, we're becoming the experts here on the Dressage Radio Show <laughs> with all these dressage riders who enjoy their games. That's what they do, guys, in their spare time. They play games. <laughs> That's what we do when we have a couple of minutes. <laughs> All right, Patrick. Well, that just about wraps it up for this week, Patrick. Uh, Like I said, uh, we're looking forward to following you over the next few weeks. I hope you'll come back on the show and uh, tell us what you've been up to as you tour the European circuit. I would love to. It's always a pleasure being at your show, Chris. Thank you, Patrick. Well, I want to remind you all that you can follow our show notes on the website, dressageradio.com. You can visit our fan page on Facebook. We have an active page there, over 1,000 members there on our fan page. So leave your comments there. And follow us on Twitter if you're a tweeter. We're at Horse Radio and also Chris E. Stafford. You can also send your comments, questions, and suggestions to me at chris at horseradionetwork.com or if you prefer, leave a voicemail, 270-803-0025. I'd like to thank our sponsors who make this show possible and, of course, our backstage crew for turning the show around every week. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network. We now have eight shows. There's something for everyone. Well, as I said, that about wraps it up, and thank you all for listening. I'll be back uh, same time, same place next week. So until then, Patrick. Well, thanks for listening, everybody around the world. Around the world, have a beautiful day, and remember, love and enjoy your dressage. <laughs> <laughs>